Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Hey, we are 124 through the year already. Can you believe that? We are halfway th- through January. 2022, 124th. <laughs> I'm a maths teacher, I had to throw a fraction in there somewhere. I mean, come on. So we're 124 through the year. Um, I wonder how your year has started. I wonder. I wonder if you had some goals. Um, if there was something that you wanted to achieve this year, I wonder how you're going so far. Maybe you're not the type of person who writes down goals or things that they want to achieve throughout the year. Maybe you're not a New Year resolution type of person. I know I don't write stuff down but there's a lot of stuff happening internally for me. So I'll be like, yeah, actually, I'd really like to improve in that area this year. Or I'd really like to achieve that this year. I don't write it down because only crazy people do that. Am I right? (laughs) Right. Maybe you're one of those people here today and good on you if you are one of those people. But I'm not one of those people. So I don't write stuff down. But man, there are definitely areas of my life that I want to improve in, um, things that I want to achieve. And I'm sure you are in the same position. Do, Do people want to get better in 2022? Come on. If you're online, do you want to get better? Put it in the chat or something. Get, get interactive if you're watching online today, people online. Um, and you know what? We, I, I feel like there are good goals that you can have. I, I feel like there are even better goals than just surface level goals that you can have. And that is spiritual goals, yeah? So if you're here today, you're a follower of Jesus. Hey, why don't we get some spiritual goals? Um, how good would it be if this was your best year with God yet? Spiritually speaking, your best year with God. Wouldn't that be awesome? What if this was the year that you finally broke free from that sin pattern in your life? Imagine if this was that year. Imagine if this was the year that you cultivated that closeness with Jesus that you've always really wanted. Maybe there's a person at church, you come to church, they're always just so excited about Jesus, so in love with Jesus. You look at them and you're like, what is up with you? But deep down you're like, I wish I had that. Um, And maybe this year is the year that you really want that. I don't know what your goals are. I don't know what you want to improve in, but I reckon we all have this in common. We're all going to experience a battle. If you want to get better, if you want to improve spiritually in any way whatsoever, guess what? You're up for a fight. You're up for a battle. There's going to be obstacles. And we also have this in common, and that is who we're fighting against. Now, yeah, we, we have an enemy, His name's the devil, and he's the worst, yeah? And he also has lackeys, demons, and it's all real. That stuff is real, guys. If you're a Christian, you believe that. The devil is real, demons are real. And yet, we we find ourselves in in battles, real warfare um, with demons. It, It can happen in our lives. But you know what? I've come to realize that there's another battle that wages, that goes on, and it's an internal one. You know, I wanna suggest to you today that your biggest battle of 2022 is going to be against you. Yourself. You know, you are your own biggest enemy. And if you want to achieve those things that God has put on your heart in 2022, it starts with winning the war against yourself. Um, One of my favorite superheroes is Batman. Do we have any people who love Batman in the room today? Um, And one of Batman's enemies is Two-Face. Okay, so Two-Face is an interesting character because he starts off as a good guy, Harvey Dent, and he's actually the district attorney. So Batman, he beats people up, strings them up, 
Um, Harvey Dent comes along and he puts him away in jail. He starts off great. He's a good guy. But then he goes through a traumatic event and half of his face gets burnt off. And he goes from being this good guy to this, to this evil villain. And the weird thing about him is he's super unpredictable, right? He, he's got this good side and he's got this bad side. And sometimes you just, you never know what you're going to get. He's two-faced on the outside and on the inside. And I want to suggest to you today um, that we can relate a little bit to Two-Face because I think just like him, we also can have this good side and at the same time, we can have this bad side, this evil side, and the right conditions can bring it out of us. And maybe this week, your spouse would agree (laughs) that that ugly side has made an appearance maybe once or twice. Yeah, so we have this good side and we have this bad side. And the Apostle Paul actually talks about this in Romans 7, and we're going to read it right now. I'm going to read from verses 15 through to 24. So if you've got your Bibles, go with me. If you don't, that's okay. Um, The Scripture is going to be up behind me. So this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Have you ever been there before? Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And Paul in verse 24 says this, and I just think this is so powerful. He says, wretched man that I am wretched man that I am, wretched person that I am, and maybe you can connect with that today. Who will deliver me from this body of death? You can just tell that there is this internal warfare, this internal battle that Paul is speaking of. He's speaking about this evil that is within him, that is always battling an intention with this good side that is also within him. And I have a question for you today, Bright Church. Um, If you're in the building or online, this is the question. Currently, right now, be honest, which you is ruling you? Right now in your life, which you is ruling you? Who has the wheel? Now, if we're going to win this battle against ourselves, it starts off by remembering a really simple and profound truth. We, we knew it when we first gave our life to Jesus. And if there was a Christianity 101 course, it would definitely be in it. It's such an important revelation to have. But I think as Christians, we can have... Sh- an issue with memory. We're like Dory from Finding Nemo and we get told one, one thing in a sermon or we read something in scripture. We're like, wow, that's amazing. A week later, we forget it. You know, um, we can have a seven second uh, memory issue, but you got to remember this today. It, you, you once knew it, maybe you've forgotten it. And it is this, did you know that you died when you gave your life to Jesus? Do you actually know that? Like when you gave your life to Jesus, you experienced a type of death. And Paul talks about it at the start of Romans 7, before he said what I just read before. He said this 
in verse 1, Romans 7, Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. The people that Paul is talking to, they used to be under the Mosaic Covenant. Okay, they were Jewish people. They used to be under the Mosaic Covenant, which means the way that they related to God was through works. So I'm not sure if you're a big reader of the Old Testament, but in the Old Testament, you come across the Ten Commandments and there are a whole bunch of other rules and regulations surrounding this. And the way that you related to God back under this Old Covenant, the Mosaic Covenant that came through Moses, was by doing all the right stuff. Okay, that is how you connected with God. Now, here's the thing about covenant. If you want to get out of a covenant agreement, it's pretty difficult. <laughs> it's pretty hard. One way out is death. Have you ever been in a marriage? I, sound, I said that really intensely. One way out is death. You need to die. Um, when you got married, when I got married at least, there was a point in the marriage where this term um, w- was said, and it was, until death do, uh, do we part. Until death do us part. And that's because death actually sets us free f- from that covenant commitment. Now, Paul is talking to people who used to be under the Mosaic law, but he's saying to them, did you know when you gave your life to Jesus, when you started following him, when you accepted him into your heart, you made him Lord of your life, you experienced a type of spiritual death. There was a death that took place and then also your spirit came alive. You became a new creation and the old you actually died. It died. So it set you free from the Mosaic law. So you are no longer under that. Now, we weren't born under the Mosaic law, okay? It's a little bit different for us. But I tell you something, we were still born into sin. And sin had authority over us. But ladies and gentlemen, When you gave your life to Jesus, if you're here today and you've accepted Jesus into your heart, you need to know this. When you gave your life to Jesus, you experienced a death and you came alive spiritually. And now now sin, it has no hold over you. Why? Because now you belong to Jesus. And Jesus has dealt with that sin. So Bright Church, why are you still allowing the old dead you to rule you? Because there are definitely moments in your life where you're allowing that old dead you that's supposed to be dead, you're allowing it to rule you when it has no authority to because guess what? You belong to Jesus Christ. And he paid a huge price for your life so that you can, what? Bear fruit for God. Now, after saying this, the Apostle Paul goes on in Romans 7 to talk about the relationship between the law and sin. And what he says is really profound. And I think so often we get the wrong idea about rules okay some of us the reason we're in church and we're saved is because we just love the idea that jesus came and died for all of our sin and we realize that we're pretty messed up people and we really needed that um so some of us can sometimes struggle with this whole idea of of rules um other of us really love rules um but others can maybe struggle a little bit okay so when we think about the mosaic covenant the law the old testament sometimes we can get the wrong idea of the purpose of it like if If a non-Christian came up to you and said, hey, like, what's the purpose of the law, like the Mosaic Covenant? What was the purpose of that? I wonder what you would say to them. Would you just shake it off and be like, oh, gosh, I've got no idea. Just stick to the New Testament, brother. (laughs) 
Like, I wonder what you would say. And Paul actually has this wrestle within him because he talks about sin, he talks about the law, and he's like, gosh, if the law never came, then I would have never have even been aware of my own sin. So does, does that mean the law is evil? And he actually leads us to this profound truth about the law. And this is what he reveals to us. He reveals that the purpose of the law was never supposed to produce righteous living, but to expose the seriousness of sin. So the reason the law came, it was never supposed to produce perfect people. God is sovereign. He can see everything. He sees the end and the start at the same time. He knew that they were going to stuff up a billion times, Israel, right? But what, what did the law do? It exposed the seriousness of sin. You know, on the 1st of January, it was 38 degrees. I can't, I'm not sure if you remember that day. It was hot, okay? Most people were in their homes in the air conditioning or maybe went to the beach or something like that. But me, I have an issue at the moment. I have a bit of an addiction to golf. So what did I do? I went to the golf course because I realized that there's going to be no one playing golf in 38 de degree heat. And I was correct. So I went down to my local golf course and I played golf. I was the only person there. And when I was on the 16th hole, I hit my ball into the bunker. That's the sandy area next to the green. If you play golf, you know that that's the, you don't want to be there. All right, it can be the worst of you can come out when you find yourself in a bunker playing golf, I tell you right now. Um, so I was in the bunker. Praise God, I got out in one shot. And as I started to step out of the bunker, I just heard a little rustling behind me, like a little, little bit of noise. I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. You know how sometimes you hear noises and it's kind of menacing? Like sometimes there's noises everywhere. You just don't even realize it. But other times you hear something, it's like, oh my goodness, someone's going to kill me, you know? <laughs> it's just, it's a different type of noise. And, and it was that different type of noise. And I'm like, what is that? And I turned around and I see this, this big snake, right? This big black snake. And um, I actually just got really excited, to be honest with you guys. So I got up my phone, tried to Snapchat it, made too much noise. It kind of slithered away. But it was so interesting. I was in that bunker playing that shot. That whole time, that snake was about a meter, two meters away from me. That whole time. I just had no idea it was there. That venomous snake. That evil snake, right? <laughs> that deadly snake that could have killed me. It was there that whole entire time. And I just had no idea it was there. Yeah? How did I become aware of it? Well, the right conditions brought it out, you know? And that's what the Lord did for sin. It, it provided the right conditions to expose it so that it could be dealt with. Um, in Romans 7.13, the Apostle Paul says, Did that which is good then bring death to me? Talking about the law. By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. Sinful beyond measure. I remember when I was about 20 years old, I was uh, really far from God. And sometimes I would come home. I was living at my parents' place and there would be this music playing, right? And it would drive me insane. It was old school Hillsong music. Late 90s, early 2000s. I would hear it and I'd be like, it would just aggravate me, right? So I'd go to my room, I'd shut the door and I'd stay there until it stopped because it just, it ticked me off. Are there some things that just annoy you? You're not sure why they annoy you, but you want to punch something when it happens. Maybe it's like slurping when people eat. I don't know, something like that. But it just brought out the worst in me. I hated it. And I ha I'm not sure, at the, in, at the time it was happening, I wasn't sure why, but it just made me so angry. The weirdest thing about it is now in my 
on my phone in my Spotify playlist, I have a playlist that is old school Hillsong music. And I love it. Like the, the late 90s, early 2000s, that is some solid worship music right there. Absolutely love it. So what changed, right? Like what happened? And I think that when I was 20, man, I was really far from God at this point. There was darkness within me, right? I, I wasn't close to Jesus. I was far from Jesus. Sin had control in my life. And honestly, I think that godly music, that Jesus-centered music was exposing this sin that was in me. It was bringing it out of me. Hey, parents, if you're here today and you're playing worship music in your house and you've got some kids who are far from God, keep playing that stuff. Get those devils out of them. Keep playing that music. Hey, look where I am now. I'm here, right? It's amazing how parents, if you just pray for your kids, gosh, it makes such a difference. I just want to encourage you. This is not a part of the plan at all in my notes. Parents, pray for your kids. Keep praying for them. It's so important. Um, but it's just so interesting how the right conditions, the holy stuff, how it can just bring out this evil within us. And uh, I, I guess the question then becomes, like, how do we then deal with it, right? So if we're all here today and there is this, this evil within us, right, and the right conditions can bring it out, then how do we deal with it? What do we do about it? And uh, for a long time in my life, I went about it the wrong way because I think it's very easy to strive in your own strength to deal with it. To strive in your own strength, to try and try and try to beat it, um, maybe in secrecy. And I tell you right now, if if you're doing that, it doesn't work very well. And here's the problem with it. Right living alone can't fix sin in you because sin is stimulated by a desire to do right. It's this nature of sin. It's almost smart and it becomes stimulated by a desire to do right. Since I've already spoken about golf a little bit, I'm just going to keep speaking about it. So when I play golf, um, when, when I hit the golf ball, it's really annoying because it never goes straight. Rarely. So I hit the golf ball, it never goes straight. Sometimes it starts off straight. It's like, hey, I'm going straight, but then it tricks you last minute, and then it goes flying off to the right. That's what happens to me. And that's called, it's called a fade in golf, right? So you hit it, starts off straight, then it goes a little bit to the right. It's called a fade. Now, the interesting thing about golf is sometimes trying to hit the thing harder, it doesn't help. So if I try and hit that ball harder to, to fix my fade, it, it doesn't help. The ball doesn't go further. It definitely doesn't go straighter. It just goes flying off even further to the right. It goes from a fade to a slice. That is when your golf shot becomes like a boomerang and the ball's like coming back at you, trying to dodge it on the tee. And uh, it, it's a really interesting phenomenon. Like the harder you try in golf, sometimes the worse things get. And sometimes when it comes to battling against this evil within us, I'm not sure if you've ever found yourself in this position before, but you can be fighting and striving in your own strength. And it's like, goodness me, this is just getting worse. Um, I love the movie Mr. Bean, the first Mr. Bean movie. I'm not sure if you've seen it before, but there's this really funny moment where Mr. Bean sneezes on a painting. The painting is Whistler's mother, right? Really expensive painting. So Mr. Bean is looking at it. He sneezes on it. Um, what would you do in that situation? Like, honestly, if you sneeze on a really expensive painting, your boogers are on the face of the lady in that painting, like, what do you do about it? Well, he gets out his hanky, so he has a hanky. Anyone have a hanky today at church? Nah, I think they've gone out of fashion. Makes sense. I mean, you're carrying around staley old boogers in your pocket all the time. I'm not sure why it was ever a thing. So Mr. Bean gets out, of his, out his hanky, and he starts to, like, rub the face where the snot is. And... Um, he starts to smudge the painting, right? Now, anyone with a brain at this point would stop and ask for help. Like, hey, I need help. But Mr. Bean, he freaks out. 
Like he worries and he just starts to rub that thing as hard as he can. And before we know it, he's completely destroyed the painting. Let's show the before picture for that painting if we've got it, ladies and gentlemen. So there's the painting right there. So that's how it starts off before Mr. Bean sneezes on it. Now, after Mr. Bean has done his best in his own strength to fix the painting, this is what it looks like. That's the end result. Now, church, we need to understand that sometimes when we just strive in our own strength to fix things, it can go from bad to worse very quickly. I'm here to tell you, right living alone, striving in your own efforts to fix your sin, it's not going to work. And why is that? Because this sin within you, it is, it is like stimulated, it is aggravated by the desire to do Right. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans 7, 15, and it's absolutely fascinating. We've already read it. I'm going to read it again. He says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. So I want to hit the ball straight. I don't want that ball to move to the right, but the harder I try, I find it just keeps going further and further to the right. Mr. Bean, he, he really wanted to fix that painting in his own strength, in his own efforts to try and fix it. It just didn't work, did it? You know, and, and this should encourage you reading this. This is the Apostle Paul. Even he, the guy who pioneered the early church, led thousands upon thousands of people to Jesus. Gosh, sometimes I think, I wonder how I ended up um, being in a, you know, like in a Christian family. I, I wonder what the domino effect was. Who was the, I wonder which apostle, you know, shared the message of Jesus. If I traced back, um, my, my line, right, of people who shared the gospel. I wonder where it would go back to. Maybe it would go all the way back to Paul. Now, this guy, he was a phenomenal man of God. His hanky, they would put it on people and demons would go crying out of people and people would get miraculously healed, right? This is the Apostle Paul. And even he found himself doing things that he didn't want to do. Even he experienced this internal war, this internal battle. And I really felt from God that I needed to say this today, and that is there are people in the room today who are striving and fighting maybe in your own strength to try and win this battle against the evil within you and you are beating yourself up, right? You're just beating yourself up over and over and over again. I felt from God just to say to you, um, stop beating yourself up. Stop beating yourself up. You know what? Why? God isn't. God's not beating you up. Stop beating yourself up. It's not going to help things. It's not going to move things forward. You've got to stop doing that. So I guess the question becomes then, hey, if right living alone can't fix sin, then, then what are we to do? How do we approach it? How do we approach? How do we deal with this evil side of us, this sin that is within us? Well, it starts with this. You need to separate yourself from your sin without ignoring it. So you've got to separate yourself from it without ignoring it. I've got another movie reference for you. So in The Nutty Professor, right? It's the second Nutty Professor movie. Um, there is this interesting moment where the Nutty Professor, Sherman Clump, played by Eddie Murphy, he separates himself like into two people. He's got these, these genes within him that he doesn't like, these buddy love genes. It's like the evil part of him. So he separates that part of himself out, okay? Now, Buddy Love, the evil part of him, it, it, he's the worst. Like, he's a womanizer. He's up himself. He's arrogant. He's selfish, terrible, the evil part of him. So he separates that part of him out. Now, a lot of things go wrong. But you know what? Overall, in the long run, things start to get better. 
And I think we can kind of learn from this. Until we actually make a decision to separate our identity, right, and who we are from that evil part of ourselves, until we make that decision and we separate out from it, we can't properly face it. We can't properly deal with it. The Apostle Paul, I'm going to read this again. I'm just re- I'm reading some of the same stuff over and over because we need to get this. The Apostle Paul says, Romans 17, So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, verse 20, check this out. He says, Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. The Apostle Paul, he draws a line in the sand. He says, you know what? Yeah, I can find myself doing the wrong things, but that is not actually who I am. He draws a line in the sand. He separates the sin within him away from who he truly is. So it's not really like this. there's this bad side of us and a good side to us. There is the real us, right? New creation in Christ Jesus. We came alive when we gave our life to God. And then there is sin within us we need to separate ourselves from it draw a line in the sand but not so that we can get away with it and ignore it now a temptation for a christian is to use the cross and the blood of jesus to excuse ourselves from the patterns of sin that we've got in our life you don't want to do that right i remember pastor ben once preaching this awesome message and it really spoke to me about how sometimes we can find ourselves sweeping our mistakes sweeping our sin under the grace rug right we think we're getting it away but it's actually all that stuff is just under that rug you've just hidden it away but it's still there and yes jesus has died for the forgiveness of our sins but he's also he's died so we can get free from our sin too so we don't separate ourselves from our sin right just so we can get away with it we separate from it so we can look it in the eye and deal with it so we can face it so here are three things you can do three steps the first thing you got to do is notice it you got to notice this stuff and i think if you're here today and you've been going yeah along the way you notice it in your own life you know what i'm talking about maybe there's something going on in your life at the moment there is this battle this evil within you can rise up maybe it's anger Maybe it's lust. Maybe you covet. You look at what other people have. You want that. Maybe you see other people. You want to be them. Maybe you envy them. I don't know what sin habit is your habit of choice because we've all got them. Um, But we need to separate ourselves from it. But before that, we have to notice it. So first comes noticing it. And can I recommend to you that sometimes it's helpful to have someone in your life who can let you know about some of this stuff because sometimes we're blind to our own sin. That is why the idea of community and small groups, it's a biblical one. Because sometimes we're we're blind to our own imperfections. We're blind to our own sin. So if you're not in a small group, little small group plug here for a moment, make sure you make a commitment today to get involved in a small group, to surround yourself with Christians. So iron sharpens iron so you can get better this year. So first you've got to notice it. If If you're not noticing it, if you think you're perfect, then goodness me, things are, things are really bad. Things are really out of hand. I, you know, it's interesting. I find that some of the most spiritual people seem to be the people who are most, of, most aware of their imperfections, most aware of their sin. It's not like in Christianity you get to this point, it's like, man, I'm the best. It's like you give your life to Jesus, then just gradually he starts to reveal all of this stuff in your life. And you're like, oh my goodness, Jesus, save me, help me. So first we've got to notice it. The second thing is we separate from it. We don't completely dissociate from it and walk away and pretend like we're perfect and we don't have to deal with our sin. We separate from it so we can then look at it and deal with it. 
So how do we deal with it? Right? You've noticed it. You've separated yourself from it. Right? You're no longer identifying with it. So, so how do we deal with this sin within us? And I spend time praying into this, asking God, God, what do you want to say to the morning service at Bright Church when it comes to this point? What do you want to say, God? And before I tell you what I feel like he really strongly said to me, um, I, I have to say this first, and it is so important that you take this stuff to Jesus. You need to take it to Jesus and you've got to confess your sin to him. Yeah. Right? You've got to confess your sin to Jesus. The other thing that's really important is also confessing it to one another. That can be one of the hardest things in the world, but it's so important. I once heard this said, and I think it's true, that when we confess our sins to Jesus, there is forgiveness of sin. But when we confess our sins to one another, we start to experience healing. And it's not, not until we experience that healing that we start to actually live in freedom. So it's one of the hardest things in the world to, to confess your sins to one another. But you've got to find some people to, to confess your sins to, to experience that healing. So as I was praying to God and I was saying, God, yes, there are those things that are so important. But what, what's the thing that you want to say today to our church? And I felt God said, it's actually, it's not really about doing. Because the whole point before, it's like striving is not going to help you. And I felt like God said, it's actually not about doing. It's actually about remembering. It's about faith. It's about belief. I'm like, what do you mean, God? And, and I felt like God said, hey, it, when it comes to dealing with it, that once you've separated from it, you're looking at it, the way that you deal with it is by remembering some, some really simple truths. And, and the first one is, Jesus has dealt with the evil in you. Do you actually believe that? Do you have faith? that Jesus has dealt with that evil in you. You've got to believe it. And the second thing is his living presence is slowly changing you. Jesus has dealt with that evil in you and his living presence is the answer to walk in freedom. When I look at my own life, from the age of 22 to now, I'm almost 29. It's six or seven years. Not a whole lot of time, right? But a decent amount of time. Depends who you ask. <laughs> so... Look, on the outside, a lot has changed. A lot has changed. Like when I was 22, gosh, I was far from God, never going to church, totally disconnected, right? I was in a bad place. And now when I reflect on my life now, a lot of things are going a lot better. You know, I'm considered, a, I guess, a Christian leader in church. I'm a pastor. Gosh, I, I guess I've got to consider myself that. Um, I, I teach in a Christian school. I teach scripture to kids. Oh, my goodness. Um, hey, guess what? I'm a husband, right? And my, this is the amazing part. My wife actually thinks I'm a good one, a good husband. Now, if you ask any of the girls I was at high school with, they would just shake their heads in disbelief that that is a reality. Like on the outside, so much has changed on my life. And here is my confession to you today. Although a lot has seemed to change on the outside, I'm not trying to brag or anything like that. This is all him. Although so much has changed on the outside, here's my confession. On the inside, there's only really been a slight shift. A slight shift. Guess what? I still sin. I still sin. I still make mistakes. But now, I don't let my sin define me, right? Because I remember that Jesus has dealt with my sin. I believe it. I declare it over myself and my life. Jesus has dealt with my sin. I don't let my sin define me. And also, I win a few more battles now than I used to. 
So I remember that I have the living presence of Jesus with me every single day, right? He is with me. The Spirit of God is with me every day, which means when that evil within me starts to rise up, I just remember who is in me, the living presence of Jesus. I've got Jesus, and I may feel as though I can't win this battle, and that's right, I can't win it in my own strength, but I tell you right now, the Holy Spirit, easy peasy for Him. And I just remember that. So now I'm winning more battles when I lose. And when you remember who you are, when you have a strong sense of identity, you remember that you are not your sin. You are a new creation. And when you start to actually actively um, put into practice the reality that the living presence of Jesus is with you, when you start to do that, you would be amazed at how your life can start to drastically change. This is what the Apostle Paul says in verse 25. After saying in verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Right? Things look terrible. Like when you read through Romans 7, at this point you're like, gosh, yeah, Paul, it sounds like you are pretty stuffed. Like it just reads terribly. It's like, what's the answer here? But this is what he says in verse 25. After saying, who will deliver me? In verse 25, he says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because he remembers the truth, and that is that Jesus has dealt with this evil side. Jesus has dealt with this sin within him. When he gave his life to Jesus, oh man, he was born again. That old part of him, it is not in control. It, it, is, it doesn't define who he is. Jesus defines who he is. He remembers that the living presence of Jesus is with him. And gosh, I feel like we need to get this in our spirits for 2022. You've got to understand this. If you're going to reach your God potential this year, you've got to get it in your heart. No, you've got to get it past your mind. You've got to get it into your heart, into your soul. Just imagine with me for a moment, right? And once again, I'm not sure what your, the sin is that you struggle with. Maybe it's anger. Maybe you get angry. Um, we've just gone through a busy season. Maybe you've cursed at a few people in the parking lot, okay? I don't know what you've done. Maybe you get angry. Maybe you look at other people's lives. You're scrolling through Instagram, Facebook. You're seeing other things. And in your heart, you're like, I want that, God. Like, why do they have that? Why don't I have that? Maybe you covet. Maybe you envy. Maybe idolatry is a real problem for you. Maybe there are things in your life that honestly today you would say you love more than you love God. Maybe it's lust. Maybe you have a lust issue. And the right conditions, the right images, whatever, can just bring up this lust that is within you, this evil that is within you. Can I just propose to you that why not what if in 2022 you made a decision to turn your sinful moments into moments of praise where like Paul instead of just getting down in yourself wallowing in your own pity you look to Jesus and you remember that he has saved you from your sin and there is a way forward imagine if in 2022 you allowed imagine if you allowed your most shameful moments to be moments of intimacy with God Imagine if instead of running away from him, not turning up to church because you feel like you did the wrong thing on Saturday night. Imagine if you actually made a decision that in 2022, I'm going to show up to church no matter what condition I find myself in. I'm, yeah, I'm going to show up to small group. I may not feel like it, but I'm going to show up even though I've, I've, I feel like I don't even deserve to be in the company of those people. What if you allowed your most shameful moments to be moments of intimacy with Jesus? Guys, I, I, this is true for me and it can be true for you. Honestly, I believe with all of my heart that our brokenness can actually provide the necessary platform for the Holy Spirit to move powerfully in our lives. 
And this year, that, that can be your reality. It's a humble heart. It's a humble spirit that attracts the Spirit of God, right? Pridefulness, thinking you're above it all, thinking you're better, that's a good way to turn, turn God off and push God away. But if you open up your heart, own your issues, own your sin, bring it to God, confess it to others. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit can do miracles in your life this year. If you want to do all that you want to do in 2022, achieve the things that you want to achieve, become the person that you want to become. It starts with winning the war against yourself. And you've got to understand that Jesus has dealt with the evil in you and His living presence, it is slowly changing you. It is enough for you. I just want to invite everyone to, to stand up right now in this moment. If you're watching online, I encourage you to lean in because I want to pray for people. And I want to pray for anyone who is at church today watching online or in the room, and honestly, you just find yourself in this unending, relentless battle against this evil within you, right? And you're trying your best, but you just find yourself losing. And you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say this. I want you to lean into this prayer. I really want you to lean into it because I really believe that God is here in this space. The Holy Spirit is here. And I really believe that He's going to do something. So if you find yourself in that position where you're battling against this evil within you and maybe it's been in your own strength for a really long time and you need God to intervene, now is the moment to lean into this prayer. Maybe just putting your hands out in front of you with palms face to heaven. Maybe it's raising your hands right up in the air. Do whatever you feel prompted on your heart. Lean into it and I'm going to pray. Dear God, I thank you so much that it's not in our own strength. It's not in our own ability, but it's by your spirit that the impossible becomes a reality. And God, I just think of the people in this room today who are just owning it and they're coming to you humbly, God, and saying, God, I, I need your help. I've been struggling with this thing for so long, God. I find myself constantly losing to this evil that is within me, this evil that is supposed to be dead and buried, God. I find it so often taking the wheel of my life and I am over it. That's where they're at. They're over it. They're ready to move forward. And God, right now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just come, God, that your Holy Spirit would come and just start to rest on people, that God, that you would just release them from this burden. Father, I pray that you would give them the boldness necessary um, to have conversations with people, um, to, to confess their sins, maybe in small group or over the phone to a friend, or I don't know, maybe even in a text message, something, God, just help them take that next step towards freedom. God, I pray that your spirit of grace would just be at work right now in this room, that you would help people to realize that even if they've had a really terrible 2021, a really terrible 2020, where they have just been doing all of the wrong things, making, making poor decisions, that they would know that today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning. Any moment is an opportunity to move forward because you are so gracious, God. You are so good. You are so loving. And I pray that they would just have fresh revelation of that today in the room. So God, I pray right now that, that change would start to fall, God. Spiritually speaking, chains would start to fall. Father, I pray that Bright Church would not just be a church full of good community, laughing, good praise, um, people making a difference in their community, but it would be a holy, blameless church with people who are just so focused on becoming more like Jesus that it just, it just infiltrates every part of their life and that there would be fruit that just flows out of that. Father, I just pray for people right now who are opening up their heart to you. God, would you have your way in them? In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.